1: we Were Like This after these messages, where we talk about commercials and other things tangentially related to our main show. This time our show was Motocrossed, a made-for-Disney Channel movie from 2001 that is loosely based on Twelfth Night, and with us to talk about commercials and other things related to it is our special guest, LJ. Welcome back, LJ.
2: Thanks for having me again.
1: So LJ, for those of you who for some reason didn't tune in last week, is one of Jeffrey's improv partners for the show Junebug and also does all sorts of other improv and a radio show at the MIT radio station about bikes, bike talk. So uh, we'll definitely give you links to where you can find LJ and you should check out all of her stuff.
3: And what are our names?
1: Oh, gosh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're off to a good start here. Uh, I'm your host, Julia Rios.
3: I'm your other host, Jeffrey Pelton.
1: And our special guest is LJ. Hooray. So now that we've gotten that taken care of. I also,
2: (laughs) I apologize for interrupting for a moment, but I feel like I never clarified on the first podcast that I am uh, into bicycles, not motorcycles. (laughs) We've just said (laughs) bikes a lot, and it occurred to me that there could be a misconstruing of facts based on the movie that I chose. So I am a bicycle rider, which you'll see if you ever go to my Instagram.
3: We'll make that clear in the
2: write-up. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, it's got two wheels, no matter how you look at it. It's true. I do have a scooter. Be fair. I just don't use it very often.
1: So for this, we started out by watching some Pine Sol commercials because LJ thought she remembered that the woman who played the vice president of racing in Motocross was also the spokesperson for Pine Sol. But it turns out that is wrong. Aloma Wright, who is the vice president of racing, is in fact not the spokesperson for Pine Sol. And as we saw, as soon as we looked up pinesol commercials, it's a totally different person. And her name is Diane Amos. And she's been the face of pinesol since the 90s. I, I don't know how far it, back it goes, but she's the earliest commercial we watched was from 1994. And then the latest one we watched was from this year. 2020. 2020. So... That's a pretty long run. That's longer than some people I know have been alive. Same. Uh, all right, so let's talk about our Pine Saw commercials. I actually don't remember ever having seen them before tonight. Oh, really? Same. I remember wow. her. And I remember that she's the Pine Saw lady,
2: but I don't remember those old commercials.
3: I, I have watched... The ones we watched tonight and many others like this. I saw a lot of these. It's a very familiar commercial to me.
2: I, I remember the concept of how many bottles would it take to get the same cleaning power as Pine Sol? One? No? Two? No? Five? That part, like, I remember that concept,
1: but I don't remember that specific commercial. I just have zero memory of any of that.
3: And the commercials always end with her emphatically stating that you know she she's got I've got to have my pine saw mm-hmm. or don't get between me and my pine saw. It's there's going to be there's going to be a reckoning if this woman doesn't get her pine saw.
1: Isn't like I've got to have my Twix or something? But like I feel like that's scarily like the candy bar thing. Like she's, she's going to lay eat a it. finger on my Butterfinger.
4: <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. I gotta have my pops. That's what it is. Oh, Corn pops. Yeah. <laughs> gotta have <laughs> my pops. Uh, so I feel like I'm afraid now. She's gonna pour pine sol on top of cereal.
3: <laughs> I don't think you should drink pine sol. No, you yes. should not.
1: It is poisonous. Um, I remember watching a Lifetime movie about uh, like a woman who had Munchausen's by proxy and was like making her children sick by putting pine sol in their food and they like the, the dramatic climactic point of the movie where the kids actually manage to to break out of this horrible situation they secretly film it and then they somehow manage to get the film to the hands of doctors or something so people Dang. realize that the mom is making them sick and it's not just them being sick These Lifetime movies, they're all very dramatic and full of danger and horror. My mother was like a really big into Lifetime movies when I was a teenager. So I feel like I saw a lot of them at at some point during that time. And my sister had one point where she had like some friends come over, like a bunch of her high school friends came over, including like a bunch of guys, and they all just kind of ended up somehow watching like all of this movie that was called I know my first name is Steven. <laughs> it was about a kid who was like kidnapped as a child and horribly molested by his kidnapper for oh, years no. and years, but he didn't remember anything about his actual identity except that he knows his first name is actually Steven. Uh, but then somehow he eventually finds his way back to his his real family. I was gonna I was gonna be like oh
2: it's like face on the milk carton and then you start talking about the abuse and I was like oh oh no oh no yeah that's not... yeah see
1: like that's the thing with all these lifetime movies is they're all really like it's horrible things happening to people so like it's moms feeding their kids pine saw and kids getting kidnapped and abused by people and oof that's why I yeah really it's, <laughs> it's basically it's all uh, for the people who are now really into true crime podcasts before mm. true crime podcasts were a thing. Like, all those people now are super into cereal, and all the other ones, not they all to be have confused their favorite murder. Cereal. Right. Not not to be confused with pops, but like serial, like serialized podcasts about people's murders.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh.
2: We'll bring it back to Pinesol for a moment. I liked the tie in. I got really excited. We <laughs> talked briefly about the. The Maori twins Tia and Tamara, because mm-hmm. I've been rewatching Sister Sister. Well, they had a famous little brother named Taj, who eventually went on to have his own television show. Smart guy, smart kid, smart guy. I should know this. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I've all where he barely remember that. Yeah. He's a high school student, um, uh, and at like eight. But anyway, he was in a commercial with her in 1994 when he was in his prime. And he was very popular at that age and did a ton of stuff. He did a commercial with the Pine Sol Lady where she is his mother, apparently, according to the storyline of the
1: 15-second commercial. <laughs> it's called Smart Guy. Not Smart Smart kid. Guy, thank you. I feel like in the Pine Sol commercial, she tells him he's a smart kid. Oh, she might. Probably. Because, like... There's the whole thing about how many bottles of Pine Sol will it take, and that it's five, and he's like, I'll stick with Pine Sol, and she's like, you're a smart kid. Um, Maybe she says he's a smart guy, though. I don't know. I feel like that that has to be a tie-in to the smart guy thing, right? I don't know. He was
2: guesting on Sister Sister before that show started. Now I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> well, he, so
1: fun, fun also tie-in. He also played Michelle's best friend Teddy on Full House. Yes, he oh, did. I remember that. Go right back to the Olsen Twins. Yep, <laughs> we can. We uh, can draw Smart,
2: several lines. Smart guy wasn't on until 1997, and that commercial was in '94, oh. and it ran for three seasons. Um, but yeah, he um, also fun fact is. One of the voices on Kim Possible, he plays Wade, the tech guy that you hardly ever see who's always in his basement on the computer helping.
1: He does the voice of Wade. Yeah, he's uh, Wade Lode on mm-hmm. Kim Possible. <laughs> I didn't know that was his last <laughs> name.
3: <laughs> That's pretty good. So he's the chair guy?
2: Yeah. He's their behind-the-scenes tech guy. Their Q, if you will. I I also, just side note, in all of this searching, um, I found the Pine Sol commercials that I do remember. So the reason she stuck out so much in my mind is because the Pine Sol lady was on my TV for my entire childhood since that first commercial was 1994 and I was born in the 80s. This commercial is from 2012. So it would have been like prime TV watching, you know, post-college kind of stuff and just like this I remember
1: (laughs) so so which specific commercial is it that you remember
2: uh it was meet the pine saw family and she shows you all of the different scents of pine (laughs) saw wow okay (laughs) yeah it's just the fact that it's from eight years later and no, or no sorry 18 years later and i'm like yeah that that's what
1: i remember i wonder like how often in public people recognize her and are like oh pine Sol.
3: probably a lot she one of the videos on on like the side video on youtube i think it was something like the pine saw lady on being recognized in public <laughs>
1: okay all right that's cool <laughs> um, what we didn't
3: mention was the most recent commercial we watched from 2020 was from april of 2020 and it was back when brands were doing their uh everyone everyone come on guys let's let's not all die and it was uh she was supporting the hashtag hashtag stay home baby
1: hashtag stay home baby uh, all right, so after Pine Sol, we watched uh, we watched Michael Cunio, Rene Cartier singing some of the uh, songs of Etta James. Beautiful. Yeah, he can sing. People in the audience were very into him.
3: Yeah, he obviously has like a lot of stage presence and charisma.
1: Um, LJ was very upset that he didn't have hair. Oh, I hate
2: that he chopped all his hair off. I like, think
3: he looks much. I think he looks good
1: without
2: hair. Uh, no, um, I was not into it.
1: <laughs> okay, but like, were you into him when he was a French guy?
2: Not when he was talking.
1: <laughs> okay, but you were into the look, so you liked the look. If he just shut not up and look. stood there, yeah, yeah, shut up and look pretty.
2: It's fine. Um, no, I don't <laughs> think I had. I don't think I was crushing on him in the movie because um, his character is so annoying but if i were to put a picture of him from the movie and a picture of him with no hair i'd pick movie version
3: so you're speaking as someone whose whose hair has been progressively thinning over the last couple of decades if i if i knew that i'd look like that like if my skull would look like that if i shaved my head it would be gone <laughs>
2: <laughs> i think here's my thing i don't I don't mind it if you have like the scruff or like Jeffrey if you keep the mutton chops there <laughs> but I feel like something has to balance it out. Otherwise, you'd like start to run into like skinhead territory and you just have to it's a thin line and you have to be careful. That's how I feel about it.
1: I see, you know, I feel like uh, lots of people have shaved their heads and are not skinheads. I feel like that's... I know and they pull it off. I I didn't feel like looking at him. Like he looked like a skinhead. That was not what I thought when I, when I looked at him. Uh, I liked his hair before. I felt like he looked fine. I feel like I'm not really attached one way or the other. And uh, if he wants to have no hair, that's fine. I can't I can't control him in the long
2: run. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You've got to let him go. He is, you say, one of those birds. He is, a, he is the bird and he fly. <laughs> the,
4: cage okay. with the With the French the cageless accent. Bird.
1: We need to stop this before Jeffrey says anything else in a very bad French accent.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so shall we go on to, so Steve Boyum, the guy who directed well, uh, Motocross. Before
1: we do this, I want to like dig into LJ's past. So you studied abroad <laughs> in France. Where, I did, yes. Where exactly in France and how old were you?
2: Uh, it was my midler. No, sorry, it was my junior year at Northeastern. Which really <laughs> Your meant midler my, year. It really meant my fourth year because it's a five year <laughs> well, school. So I know, it's everybody very who goes
1: to Northeastern has one year where they all turn into Bette Midler. Yes, <laughs> exactly. and that is it's when you studied abroad. <laughs>
2: mm, no, it was the year after that. So my fourth year at Northeastern. Okay. Um, I was there. So I turned twenty one shortly after I got there. And I was in the Champagne region, which uh, you know we like to say Reims because it's easier to say, but it's actually pronounced Rance. And then I spent six months studying uh, because I was doing the international business program. So I did six months study there, and then moved to Paris for a six month internship.
1: Oh, wow. OK, mm-hmm. cool. That was my See, time. I was
3: also about that age when I when I when I studied abroad. But I guess you would have to say that mine was just sparkling study abroad.
1: Because <laughs> you weren't in the Champagne region of France. I,
3: I was one. not. I was in Spain.
1: I, know. I am Jesse a stickler
2: for Spain. that, though. It's not champagne <laughs> if it's not from the
1: Champagne region.
2: There's nothing wrong with sparkling wine. It's
1: delicious. No, but I mean, there's out. the whole reason for Appalachians. And it's because they're from specific places. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then
2: I went back to Northeastern for my senior year and then was like, you know what? Europe was pretty great and the economy's trash right now. So I'm just going to go back to Europe for a year and I, cause this was 2010 when I graduated from college. And so I was like, I don't, I don't want to enter the job market with a marketing degree. And so I went back to Europe and I went back to France for four-ish months because that's how long the semester is and then I went to Italy and I studied in Piacenza which is right outside of Milan and then I did a short internship in Milan while I wrote my thesis
1: I did like a one-year master's wow so much European travel mm-hmm. it's very it was great I lived in France for two years um, right after I graduated from college and I taught French I uh, taught English not French uh, I taught English at a French university in Nancy in Lorraine. Ooh, so nice. Yeah, it was cool. A different part of France, but uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It made me uh, get addicted to this candy that you can only buy in French supermarkets called Kit Kat Ball. Um, it's not Kit Kat Bites, which people are always like, oh, well, you could just get Kit Kat Bites. Those are the same. They are not, they are very different. Uh, But it's also, like, not gourmet candy, so no one bothers to import that shit. It's just something you can only buy in France, and it's only made in France. Like, you can't even get it in Belgium. You can only get it in France. (laughs) Uh, The (sighs)
2: most impressive person I ever met when I was studying abroad was in Belgium. I went into a chocolate shop, and she spoke ten different languages, several fluently, most proficiently, and then one or two, like, she just had basic Skills, but to her, basic was a lot higher than my basic. Um, but basically, you know, so many international travelers come there that she could just greet anybody in any language. It was very, very impressive. That is Uh, extremely impressive. I was addicted to, and the
3: reward for that is you get to spend all that time with chocolate. (laughs) I know
2: I was obsessed (laughs) with Kinder Bueno, which you can get in America, yeah, but it's like three dollars a bar here, which is ridiculous. But you can at imported. least get it. You can still yeah, find I can, it. I, I buy it every once in a while for
1: myself because I'm a big fan. Like a few years ago, I feel like this was 2016, uh, we ended up on a cruise, which is a weird thing to think about in the year 2020 because that's mm-hmm. not a thing that anyone wants to do now. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the time, it was fine-ish. Like the worst thing was that people might get norovirus, but no one did on our cruise ship, so that was okay. Um <laughs> We ended up in uh, San Martin, and that's like half Dutch, half French in the Caribbean. So our ship docked on the Dutch side, but like they, we got a taxi driver to drive us to the French side because we'd heard the beaches on the French side were better. And so he dropped us off at a French beach, and they had like a little convenience store next to the French beach. And because it's actually technically France, they had Kit Kat ball. And you better believe I brought back an entire suitcase full of Kit-Kat Ball. Like, I have my favorite picture from that vacation. It's just me, like, standing on the beach, holding up, like, the, the way Kit-Kat Ball is sold is, like, it's in little packets like M&Ms, but they're all kind of connected. And they sell a string of six. So I have, like, I'm holding up, like, two strings of six Kit-Kat Ball in each hand. Like, yes, this is my catch. I went deep sea fishing in the Caribbean and caught 24 packets of Kit-Kat Ball. Hell yes!
2: Oh my god, I want to go back to France just to find this candy.
1: <laughs> like it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like Whoppers or Maltesers, but instead mm-hmm. of having malt inside, it's like a corn-based cereal kind of taste. Oh, that sounds good. It's really good. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, these are these are the kinds of things that you can learn when you study abroad. How many languages do you speak? Because I feel like you said the most impressive person you saw spoke 10 languages. How many languages oh, have you got?
2: I used to speak French rather proficiently by the time I left. Um, but it's been years since I've had to speak it whatsoever. And then I only had a really basic knowledge of Italian. I managed to do in a, a program, my
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Undergrad was all in French for my classes, so I had to speak it, even if I wasn't that great at it. And then my graduate class was in English. So the program was designed like you could go all over, but it was going to be in English. So Northeastern is part of the international partnership of business schools with all the different countries, and that mm-hmm. partnership created this Plus One Master's but i do remember in italy they had us grouped with other just grad students at that school and we went into our first class i don't even remember which class it was uh the professor looked at us and he said who here doesn't speak italian do i do i have to teach this in english and a handful of us raised our hands not just me i was the only american but the dutch students didn't speak it um the Irish girl in my program didn't speak Italian. So there's like a handful of us who didn't speak Italian and he looked so disappointed. And that was (laughs) the worst class because his English was really not, it would be like me trying to teach in French when I was proficient. Um, So it was, it was a bit of a struggle, but I did really well because I sound really smart because I speak it fluently. And so I kind of, I'm not going to lie. I might've, ridden the coattails of that a little bit of like i just sound smarter than all of you because it's my first language
1: <laughs> amazing uh, great. so french and italian and english yeah yeah i still right. read french okay yeah it's a respectable three languages and jeffrey you I, got two, it's right? more
2: like one and a half
3: <laughs> i was i was really good at spanish i might if I practiced it, I might still be okay at it. Um, I had some German for a while. Um, and then a bunch of ones that I can just read. Yeah. So, like, um, I'm out of practice. Like, I could read Portuguese for a while, and I could read French, and I could re- read Latin. Um,
2: read or pronounce? Like, oh, I could pronounce Latin,
3: too. It, um, like you understood
2: about, like, what the sentence was because it was a Latin root yes, versus being able to pronounce it out loud. Because that, I ran into that a lot, too, with other languages.
3: Oh, right. Like, I, I couldn't tell you how to say a word out loud in Portuguese or yeah. even many of them in French, but I mm-hmm. could read it and yeah, understand yeah. what was being said.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's so I'm I have forgotten most of my French, but I can still speak it a little bit Um I'm pretty terrible at speaking in Spanish, but I can read, and I have translated from Spanish into English, and I've at times known some German and some Swedish. I can read Portuguese okay, because I get a lot of emails in Portuguese, because my name is common, and a lot of people with my name live in Brazil and think that they have my email address, which they do not, hmm. um, so I get their emails, and then I'm like... Do I need to look up the, how to say in Portuguese this is not the correct email address? Is that important right now? Um, surprising amount of my time is taken up with telling people that they have the wrong email address. Oh, no. <laughs> um,
3: I See, I don't... Having a less common name, I don't get that email problem very often. Except I did once get someone accidentally send me um, some something intended for a, a Dr. Pelton. Oh. And I'm like... So I, I I I'm erasing this as soon as I reply to you, just so you know this is the wrong email address. What I didn't say want to was so now not only have you accidentally violated someone's uh, medical uh, confidentiality, but you've made me feel like a failure. So
1: <laughs> I I have not gotten something addressed to a. Oh, you've got something from a doctor. I get I get like appointment reminders. But addressed
3: to a doctor, Pelton.
1: I I get appointment reminders a lot where like somebody has set up an appointment with a dentist or a doctor currently somebody in Mexico has uh, an ongoing series of appointments with a dermatologist that I'm not getting emails about but they are sending directly to my google calendar (laughs) so it's just appearing like it's appearing in my phone that I have an appointment with the doctor in Mexico and I'm like The only way I could conceivably stop this is by like contacting that doctor's office and being like, hey, you're sending your appointment information to the wrong person. I do not live there, Um, which I have not done. The thing, the last thing that I tried to do was someone who actually lives in Boston. So someone close signed up for a service called Scentbird that sends you perfumes like every month. It's like a perfume subscription service and like used my email address and paid for the Scentbird account through PayPal but not through my PayPal through their PayPal which clearly doesn't have my email address attached to it because that's what my PayPal is and that was the first thing I checked. You'd better believe as soon as I got a receipt from Scentbird. (laughs) Um, and I was like, well, this isn't in my PayPal. And Scentbird was like, confirm your email address and your shipment is on the way and all this stuff. And I like replied and was like, so here's the deal. I did not sign up for your service and someone else did. And you need to contact them and tell them that they have given you the wrong email address. And they're like, oh, we canceled your order. And I'm like, that is not the (laughs) issue. They're like, we'll refund you. I was like, it's not me that you need to refund. And also I'm pretty sure that person actually wants their perfume. And they're like, the only person that I have registered with this account is this person with your email address and an address in Boston. Um, and I was so like... So now they've given you all the personal information. And, and like a phone number associated with this account. And I was like... Call That phone number, oh, call that phone not number, you, them. <laughs> and yeah. So they were like, Well, we're refunding you, and I'm like, uh, that's <laughs> not. No, you're not <laughs> okay, fine. So I tried like unsubscribing, and then I got a notice that I had a refund, and then I got a notice the next day that it was like, Sorry, we're sending out another version of your order. Um, <laughs> so I tried, so they calling, got three cents. I tried calling that person, and it went to a business phone. So I was not going to, like, leave a message. And I was like, I don't know what to do other than, like, I don't know, roll up to her doorstep in Boston and be like, hey, I'm not you. Please use someone else's email address. I've taken this as far as I can with Nadine and customer service.
2: (laughs) Uh, I, I had someone, some beauty salon in new york kept sending me like appointment things and i was like i don't live in new york please stop sending this to me <laughs> like i don't know what this is um but that was yeah it was pretty minor it was just the like appointment reminder but going back to language for a second you were talking about uh certain phrases i used to i had the phrase i still have it down pretty well which is non palo italiano which means i don't, <laughs> I don't speak, speak, speak italian italian <laughs> and I would often say it to people on the street who were trying to bother me and this guy he's trying to sell me something and I I said oh oh, non parlo italiano and he goes oh c c c, you speak it so well like he went off in Italian I can't (laughs) do it now but like he was like oh it was perfect and I was like because I can perfectly say that I don't speak your language does not mean I can speak it. Like
3: <laughs> So you needed someone to teach you that sentence in Italian.
2: I just needed to not be so good at accents, I guess. I don't yeah, know. you need to cultivate like
1: the American Non parlo Italiano. Yeah. Oh, non parlo Italiano. Sorry. Mm.
3: There was a there was a, <laughs> there was a, a student in my uh, study abroad class who had a very thick southern accent even when she spoke Spanish. So it was Meamo Jose.
1: Oh no. Yeah, I remember there was a there was a woman in my Spanish class, my senior year of college, who like was fluent. I mean she was really good at speaking as far as like vocabulary and grammar and stuff, but when she would speak, she would speak like a valley girl. So Ugh. she'd be like, "Um, a creokay." <laughs> oh, oh my!
2: I I had the experience of when they sent us to France. They acknowledged that some of their students might need to continue to take French lessons. Which I guess, to be fair, I mean you take English classes all growing up, uh, and so it was myself and all the other anglophones. So the Irish students, some of the English students, and um, another American student, anyone who needed continued help. And then the other side of the class, there was all the Chinese students. Mm. And it was interesting because the accent that we use as Anglophones, we could all understand each other even if we were using poor accents. Because you know what the sound is that the person's trying to make. And the Irish students were... Not all of them, of course, but like some of them did not try very hard at their French accents. Uh, And so it just sounded like an Irish person attempting French. Uh, But the Chinese students couldn't understand us and we couldn't understand them when they were speaking French. It was only the teacher that could understand both groups, which was really weird. So I became friends with the Chinese students by speaking to them in English, which is why my French was never as good as it could have been. (laughs) But yeah, I always found that fascinating, just like the accent that they use and the accent that we use could like didn't
1: cross. Yeah, that's really interesting. Fascinating. All of this reminds me of a time in like 2007, I think, when I first moved here, and our friend of the pod, Krista, who has been a guest on one of our subscribers only episodes uh, about Pecos Bill, a Rabbit Ears production, which was a wild ride was with us and we went to this like store in that just no longer existed exists but at the time it was a store in in our town and we tried to buy baklava but the guy running it like the door was locked even though the open sign was on so we tried the door and it didn't open and then we started to walk away but he like opened the door a crack and like peeked out at us but didn't open it enough to let us in and he was like you want business And we were like, uh, I guess we were going to buy some baklava. And he's like, how many languages do you speak? How many languages? And then like made us all tell him how many languages we spoke. Uh, Krista spoke like five or something like that because Krista is amazing. And we're kind of going around and doing this. And he's like, you know how many languages I speak? Four times three. Four times three. How many? Like, four times three and the answer were like 12 and he's like correct then like he came out of the store onto the sidewalk and he was calling my then partner now husband um big man bodyguard how many languages (laughs) like big man bodyguard how many languages and he was like just the one i just speak english (laughs) but it was a very interesting thing. Eventually he then led us into the store and there was some rigmarole about whether he was going to charge us more or less for this baklava, at which point he like explained that he didn't actually even run the shop. He was just filling in for his cousin who owned the shops. So then he called his cousin and had a conversation with him. He also quizzed us on geography. He was like, where is Patagonia? And I was like, South America? And he was like, Correct. <laughs>
3: Now, see, what's what you didn't know at the time was that you were actually on a TV pilot for <laughs> oh, man. Um, for for a show. It was Cash Cab has done pretty well here. And so they decided they were going to try for the European market cash baklava shop.
1: So so like the <laughs> reward that we got for answering all the questions right was that I believe we paid at the end like thirty five dollars for this baklava. Oh my god! <laughs> we were just like, we don't care how much it is. We just want to leave the store, but the door is locked, and he has to let us out. So let's just pay for <sighs> it and go. Awkward. I I, I feel like I'm maybe forgetting some of the details of this, but Krista was there. So if Krista is listening and wants to write in and tell us what she remembers, please feel free, Krista. We're waiting. <laughs> Inquiring listeners would love to know. I will be following up. (laughs) Okay, good. Good times. Uh, All right. So I think that's all we watched. Is it? No way! We movie. also watched the, the trailer for Supercross. Oh Cross. gosh, I blocked that from my mind because it was such trash. Okay, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, so
3: basically, basically the director of Motocross. Uh, a couple years later, some people threw a lot of money at him. Or some people threw some money at him and said, "Do a motocross movie with with all the skin a PG thirteen rating will let us do, mm-hmm. uh, and make and this so soundtrack
1: hardcore, mm-hmm.
3: like you did for Motocross. More electric guitars." Um, and uh but Andy the girl Andy uh, apparently plays a small role as writer girlfriend or something like that
1: yeah writer girlfriend uh Channing Tatum is also in this movie and he he plays a character named Rowdy Sparks <laughs> still great
3: apparently while motocross is is sort of a wholesome family affair supercross mostly involves doing flips and signing body
2: parts (laughs) would not let kids watch that's that's my analysis from that
1: yeah it did not look like a good family film at all like there was there was one part in the preview where we got to see some motocross star man signing a woman's breasts so that's fun
2: also, the the energy that they were pumping out with that motocross was not the punk energy we talked about that motocross no. kids probably have. No, it was definitely like over t- testosterone.
1: It was a bro
3: down.
2: Oh, yeah, sure. they bro down did.
3: A
1: good way they to did it. use some motocross uh, jargon because they said that it was going to be some gnarly terrain. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: They've got more torque than us. <laughs> Don't matter when you're in first place.
2: <laughs> yeah. When you get okay. in the air, just tap the brake a little the left brake a little bit and you'll fly <laughs> something like
1: that but don't worry they're all gonna smoke ever, each other like wanted to watch a worse version of the fast and the furious but with motorbikes
3: it was yeah
1: yeah like worse in pretty much every way but with motorbikes mm-hmm. but
3: that's definitely what they were trying for was like yeah that that's probably how they sold it it's fast and the furious but dirt
4: bikes yeah
2: now I need to know when Fast and the Furious started. <laughs>
3: well, uh, before, actually, it all started with this uh, art, uh with a magazine article.
1: <laughs> I think. It oh, it did come out I in two thousand one. Yeah, I was going to say. I think that was from. So, like, Supercross came out in two thousand five. So four mm-hmm. years after Motocross, motocrossed, but uh, right.
3: ironically. What motocross had was was something that maybe they they dropped in supercross, and that's why they didn't have the fast and the furious energy, because it was about family.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The fast and the furious and Lilo and Stitch have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on that note, are we are, are, are we good here?
3: I think we've I think we've covered it. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Nailed LJ, it. for coming on the show and telling us all about your time in France. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, do you want to send people off to your in- Instagram again?
2: Oh, yeah. So if you want to check out bicycle-related items, not motocrossed, and, and other, I think my, my bio says a little bit of stuff for everybody and everything for no one. Um, but it is randonista, R-A-N-D-O-N-N-I-S-T-A, and you can
1: check it out. Bicycles and more. You had to. You
3: have two ends because the one with one end was taken by a, a an Ayn Rand uh, fan page, I assume.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, that's accurate. No, that's no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just looked better grammatically. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, Thanks, Jeffrey, and thanks, LJ, and thank you, listeners. And we will now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Why We're Like This is brought to you by Julia Rios and Jeffrey Pelton. Our music is by Mon Plaisir. Find them at chezmonplaisir.bandcamp.com. Subscribe to our newsletter at thisiswhywe'relikethis.substack.com. And get this podcast and the show notes delivered straight to your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram where we're at thisiswhy underscore pod. And if you want to support us financially and make this show possible, consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash like this. all one word, no apostrophe. And finally, if you have questions or comments for us, we're happy to hear from you all about the movies and TV shows that scarred you as a child at this at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.